Psalm 65. Praise awaits you, our God in Zion. To you our vows will be fulfilled. You who answer prayer, to you all people will come. When we were overwhelmed by sins, you forgave our transgressions. Blessed are those you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We are filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. You answer us with awesome and righteous deeds. God our Saviour, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the Father's seas, you form the mountains by your power, having armed yourself with strength. You still the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, and the turmoil of the nations. The whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders, where morning dawns, where evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. You care for the land and water it, you enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain, for so you have ordained it. You drench its furrows and level its ridges. You soften it with showers and bless its crops. You crown the year with your bounty and your carts overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the wilderness overflow. The halls, hills are clothed with gladness. The meadows are covered with flocks and the valleys are mantled with grain. They shout for joy and sing. Hear the words of the Lord. Thanks, Matthew. Well, when I was growing up in Scotland, every year we would have a harvest festival. And whether it was a good harvest or a not great harvest, uh, we always had all these beautiful things. There were people who made the most amazing breads to look like sheaths of uh, uh, of grain, um, and we brought all the produce uh, into the church, and we gave thanks to God for it. Uh, and it was a beautiful thing to do each day, and you may have done it uh, here as well. Uh, it doesn't seem to be so common these days, but it was a great uh, way of us being reminded uh, that all the things that we have come from God. But we also would sing a hymn that was called, Come You Thankful People Come. And the interesting thing about this hymn uh, was that it starts by thanking God for the physical harvest, um, but then it moves on to praying for the, har the final harvest to happen, the harvest when Jesus comes again, uh, and where he claims us as the first fruits of that harvest. Um, and we look forward to that day, the come Lord Jesus, come. And so it was a way of acknowledging that here were these physical things uh, that were reminding us of God's provision, but also that we were reminded of our spiritual harvest, the spiritual harvest of us uh, being God's children. Well, the psalm that we're looking at today, Psalm 65, is also a harvest psalm. So it was uh, written by David, and it was sung at a time of uh, acknowledging the harvest. Um, and that's why a lot of the language in the psalm uh, relates to creation and the good things that God has given us. But we've just gone through with our alphabet of praise, thinking of all the different ways that things that we can praise God for. And in this psalm, 
There's loads of things to praise God for. He answers prayer. He forgives. He brings people near. He does awesome and righteous deeds. He gives hope. He creates. He fills the earth with all. He sustains. He provides in abundance. So there's lots of reasons that the psalmist gives us and gave the people who first sang this psalm to praise God. But we're going to consider the psalm in a little bit more detail, um, particularly thinking about three things that make us, as well as them, people of praise. Amazing grace, all-conquering hope, and abundant provision. Firstly, amazing grace. Well, God hears and forgives us, though we don't deserve it. We see in verse 2, God who answers prayer. He's someone who is faithful. He's someone who hears our prayers. He listens to us. He's interested in what is happening for us. He cares for us, and he answers our prayers. And people are drawn to God. For to him, all people will come. He's attractive. He's someone who people are interested in, sometimes even whether they know it or not. Uh, people are looking out and searching and drawn to God uh, because he is almighty and because he is faithful and he does answer prayers. He cares for us. Quite often we can be uh, find that we find it hard to approach God uh, because we feel unworthy uh, in his presence. We can feel overwhelmed by the things that we have done uh, that displease him, but also the things that we maybe haven't done uh, that would please him. And we can feel overwhelmed by our sin and feel that we can't approach God. But he assures us that he forgave and forgives our transgressions. He doesn't hold those against us because we are chosen by God. In verse 4, blessed are those you choose. And he brings us near to his courts. And the fascinating thing and the incredible thing is that when you talk about courts, it's like, um, so it could be like court of the, the new king and queen of Denmark, uh, where that's happening today, coming into the court as subjects. But no, we're not subjects of God. We are brought in as his children. For we read in John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh, of will, will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. We are God's children. That's an incredible thing to consider that the God of the universe, the God who created this world, would have a relationship with us that is as close as a parent and a child. It's just mind-blowing, isn't it? And yet it is tender and beautiful at the same time. This is radical grace. It's radical that the God who created this world uh, should reach out to us those who he created, 
And he does this through his son, Jesus. This was costly to Jesus. It didn't just happen. It's something that uh, he gave to us freely and willingly, but costly. And so the people were filled and came into God's house, which in those days was the temple, as they approached the temple to give thanks to God for all that he had provided for them. For us, it might be coming together on a Sunday at church, meeting with God's people, where God blesses us by encouraging us, inspiring us through his word, but also by each other. The actual act of being God's children, God's family together, we actually need to be together for that. Uh, We can't be all split out and try and be family on our own. The family comes when we come together each week, when we connect with one another, when we encourage one another, uh, when we seek to praise God together for all that he has given us. God's grace is undeserved. It's costly and unconditional. It is amazing grace. All-conquering hope. Well, we see in verse 5 that God is righteous and awesome. Um, And that word awesome is just incredible to think that we can become before God, a God who inspires awe. If you think of the most amazing place that you've ever been to that just makes you go, wow, that's how God is even better than that. (laughs) He inspires us uh, by being awesome. But he's also our savior. This psalm foreshadows Jesus. As we said, Jesus coming uh, is amazing grace, the way that God shows that grace to us. By saving us from the things that uh, make us fall into not having a relationship with God. And the hope, Jesus is the hope of all the ends of the earth. I think this part of the psalm is really important because it's very easy to be praising God and thanking God for the harvest when it's good. But when life is hard, And when maybe the harvest hasn't been as good as it might have been because of the floods, the rain, the lack of rain, whatever it might be. We're reminded that the hope that we have in Christ is bigger than everything. It extends to the ends of the earth, to the farthest seas. The hope that we have in Christ is bigger than the challenges that we face each day. Those challenges can be hard. We see in verses 6 and 7, we read about the mountains and the roaring waves. There's nothing harder than a storm at sea when you're in a little boat uh, and the waves are bashing against you and tossing you up and down. And you feel like it's just going to overwhelm you. We can experience personal hardship 
as we deal with medical challenges, relational challenges, just the challenges of being alive sometimes can be overwhelming. The psalm also mentions the turmoil of the nations. It talks not just about our personal challenges, our personal struggles, but also the struggles of nations as nations seek to relate to one another. This is a real challenge for our world at the moment, as it has been for centuries. The nations who war with one another, who don't listen to one another, who don't sit under God and consider and love one another, as Jesus would have us do, but yet seek to establish power over one another, seek to toss the other nation around like like those roaring waves. And that's really hard uh, for the peoples of those nations, and it's hard for people who look on, just as it is for the personal things that we experience. But this psalm also reminds us uh, that it is God who formed the mountains. God gives the stability. God brings order out of chaos, good out of evil. And this is all through Christ Jesus, our Lord. In verse 8, we see that the whole earth is filled with awe at God's wonders. God established uh, his covenant of salvation through Abraham uh, and then through Israel. And then to all the nations. This is the wonderful truth that God created the whole world and loves the whole world. And so the whole earth is filled with awe. Not just one people, not just several people, but the whole earth. And we're reminded that God's mercies are new every morning as we note from Lamentations chapter 3. In this passage today, in verse 8, when, where morning dawns, where evening fades, God is with us in the challenges of those days, 24-7, 365 days a week. His mercies are new every morning. And the hope that we have that extends to all the ends of the earth is fulfilled in Jesus. We recall some of the stories uh, in the New Testament uh, where, for example, as we think of those roaring waves and the crashing wind, that Jesus stilled the water. Jesus also conquers death. He has victory over the grave. We don't need to fear because of the hope that we have in Christ. This hope conquers the darkness and the storms. It is all-conquering hope. Abundant provision. Verse 9, God cares for the earth he created. He provides abundantly for it. 
in verses 10 to 13, we see that every part of the process that leads to the harvest is acknowledged in this psalm. God is the author of all life. From the life of a flower to the new birth that saves us eternally. And so there's a sense of jubilant celebration in this part of the psalm. As the people reflect uh, on the ways in which God has provided for them, and as I say, they name each one of those. It's good for us to name the things uh, that God does for us, that God provides for us. So actually naming these things that we want to praise God for. Because they remind us that God is part of every single part of our lives. God is interested in each part of our lives because we are his children. So he's interested if we are upset. He's interested uh, if we are delighting in something. He's interested uh, if we are looking to care for someone who we love. But this part of the psalm also looks forward. It foreshadows the end of time when creation is restored. Because we know that not all of, um, not all of the world operates as God originally created it to be in this time before Jesus' return. And so there are earthquakes and volcanoes erupting, and typhoons and tornadoes. But one day, we read in Psalm 96, verses 11 to 13, Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy, before the Lord, for he is coming, for he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with his truth. All of creation groans and longs for the coming of Jesus when he returns, when all things will be put right in the new heaven and the new earth. However, we are here right now. That time has not yet come, although we desire for it to come, and imminent would be pretty good. But we are, as God's people, should follow in the way that he cares for the land and waters it, the way that he cares abundantly uh, for the provision uh, of all the good things in this earth. We should be at the forefront of those who care for creation. And when we do that, when we consider God's creation, when we work with him uh, in caring for it and sustaining it, then what flows from us is praise for his provision. For we see that as we partner with God in this, as he's given us tasks to do, as he did right back at the beginning with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, as he enables us to care for our environment, to care for the animals and the birds and the fish, to care for the plants and the trees, 
to care for all the beautiful things around us. We can but look to God, our creator, and praise him. So we've seen that in this psalm, as people of praise, even when life is maybe hard, that we can see that we can respond to God's amazing grace, his all-conquering hope, and his abundant provision. David, who wrote the psalm, starts off by praising God in church because he's looking to Zion, the temple, and that is where the praise starts. But then you'll notice right at the end in verse 13, it ends with the whole of creation praising God. As we praise God together as his people, that will have a flow and effect to having the whole of creation looking to God and praising God. These blessings arise from being in right relationship with God. So we look forward to the new heaven and the new earth when we will see the fullness of these blessings. Sometimes we can get very focused on ourselves and our lives. But praising God helps us to get a better perspective on life. We can get a bit weighed down with our worries. But if we take our eyes off ourselves and praise God, we find deep joy in forgetting ourselves and in remembering the hope that God gives us. This isn't to ignore our challenges and the hard things in our lives. It's not to sweep them under the carpet. But as we fix our eyes on Jesus, we start to see the challenges and the troubles and the trauma and the struggles in our lives with an eternal perspective and one that sits in the assurance of his love his strength, his comfort. This psalm, like many psalms, um, helps us to do that, to orient ourselves towards God. Most of the psalms are structured uh, by bringing ourselves before God. So coming to God, sharing our struggles and our challenges with him refocusing on God and ending up with praising him. Because as we work through in our lives, we recognize and see God's promises. Those promises that that resident from Faversham House shared with us, reminding us uh, that God is there for every eventuality, A to Z, um, and he is with us in the midst of our challenges. The awesome goodness of, of the covenant God is experienced in part in every harvest, every mouthful of food, every breath we breathe. It will be fulfilled in the abundant life of the resurrection in the new heavens and the new earth. This psalm helps us to celebrate with full hearts in response to the abundant fullness of God's grace to us 
in Christ our King. Let's pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness to us, for your amazing grace shown to us in Jesus. We thank you that our hope in Christ conquers all the challenges and stresses and strains in our lives. We thank you for your abundant provision to us as you give us all the things that we need to continue to be in relationship with you, right with you, and therefore able to live our lives day by day in honor of you. As we deal with each day and the challenges that it brings, help us to bring these things to you and to seek to praise you through the struggles of life, knowing that you are our strength, that you sustain us, that you love us, and that one day you will call us home, that we might experience the new heaven and the new earth. And we look forward to that day in Christ's name. Amen.